0: bye yeah.
1: And I'm joined once again by my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm glad to be back in podcast land. It's been too long. It's been a little while, as you <laughs> like to say. I it's, think it's, we're going to have to yeah. rename our podcast to that, probably. <laughs> it's, it's, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, so yeah. So Matt is right. It has been a while. Um, the the last podcast that was on the feed um was actually one that i did solo and i did it the night before wrestlemania um part of the reason that we haven't podcasted in so long is we actually got together pip actually came to cleveland um and we got to hang out for a weekend which was which was super cool super long overdue and and really um kind of cathartic for me I, I i won't speak for you but um i had a blast it was awesome and we had these big plans of we were going to record a bunch of podcasts and put a bunch of the can and that just that just didn't happen but um <laughs> but it was it was awesome i had i had a wonderful time i hope uh, i hope you thank, first of all thank you for making the trip to cleveland i know that that uh, it was a pain in the ass especially coming off a family vacation um a lot of driving but i appreciate you doing it
1: no it's it it was it was not a thing at all in fact uh it was it was probably one of the the best things that has happened to my soul since uh the whole covid pandemic hit to begin with we uh we were on spring break the week leading up to that took a day off and then got back in the car and drove to cleveland turns out driving to cleveland's a lot uh, quicker than driving to Florida from from Indiana. So uh, it was it was super easy. It was a breeze. I had an amazing time being there. It was so much fun. We got to do all kinds of fun stuff, visiting some some breweries, some of my new favorite breweries that we got to uh, to visit out there. And then, of course, the you know, the uh, the catalyst, the, the whole reason we were there to begin with was uh, that the event of the season, WrestleMania, WrestleMania, which which um, which I thought overall was a good show.
0: Um, I, I think we, we can kind of get into that. I, I do I did want to <laughs> I did want to talk a little bit about the breweries that we hit and kind of and, and yeah. what we did. Um, so so Matt came in um, he came in Saturday this year. Normally you come in on Fridays and again, yeah. it, it was so this year he came in Friday. Uh, my oldest son actually was at a um, a birthday party. He was playing paintball in in the middle of like Grafton, Ohio. And so we went to we we went to pick him up. And uh, we had, I don't know, maybe an hour to kill. And we found this, uh, this bar, this, this, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the diviest of dive bars. Um, we, we walked in there. It was, pit, you know, it was, the sun was out. It was a beautiful day. And we walked into this dark, dingy bar that makes every dive bar you've ever seen, like, look pristine by comparison. It was called the Deluxe Bar in Grafton, Ohio. And the gal that was there working the bar, quote unquote, um, was she was. she watching? Was she watching the Masters, or was uh, she watching softball? I don't think that was on. I
1: think it was. I think it was softball. Women's that's softball. But right. she
0: was. She was looking for the Masters. Right. Uh, she couldn't. She couldn't
1: find it. I don't so know if that's an upgrade it. or not. You know, but right. I, whatever.
0: Yeah. So so we hung out there for uh, we a shot and a beer, and I have to give you props. You're, you're not normally a whiskey drinker, but you you downed a shot at Jack Daniels.
1: I am not, but I'm definitely a sucker for peer pressure. So I'm, (laughs) and I was in it to win it, man. I'm like, you could have, you could have made me drink anything. I was so excited to be there. I would (laughs) have put any substance in my body and, and gone along with it.
0: Yeah. So, so then we went, uh, we went and we picked up my son and he, and then from there he had a, an AAU basketball game. So we went to a basketball game, watched the first of a couple basketball games. My wife actually bless her heart. Um, and I have to, I have to give her props for, for allowing the guys weekend to, to commence the way, you know, she, she's, she's very good. We have three boys and, and it's a lot for her to deal with them. But so she came in and, and picked him up from the game. And then we went downtown Cleveland to the first of two breweries. Uh, we went first, we started at Bookhouse brewing, mm-hmm. which, um, I, I will have to put some photos and in, in, in a review and stuff on the blog. I haven't done that yet, but so I, uh, Remind me was that the one we sat outside? I believe so yeah yeah it, w- it was an absolutely beautiful day in Cleveland I mean it was in the high mid 70s it was a beautiful weekend all maybe weekend. one of
1: the nicest that we've had since we've been doing this at this time yeah. of year because typically the weather is very cold or ranges from cold to very cold, potentially snow on the ground. I mean it's it's yeah. never ideal weather but this this weekend uh, it really worked out. Yeah, it
0: was perfect. Now, ironically enough, we've had 11 inches of snow over the last two days. It is it is April 22nd. Now, it's the first six inches melted one night, and then the next five inches melted the next night, but over the last two days, we've had 11 inches of snow. So on the 22nd of April, as I record this. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we went to Bookhouse Brewing, and then we went uh, to, uh, I don't know, what, six blocks, three blocks down the street, and we went to another place called Bad Tom Smith Brewing. Um, and I think, and I candidly, I don't remember the difference between the two, but I remember we had some really good beers at both of them.
1: Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. We both so, had flights and both sampled uh, different different styles, different IPAs, and I think you got some darker ones. And uh, they were they were both good. I I, I like them. I would go back to both of those places. They're nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. So those are if you're if you're familiar with the Cleveland area, those are both right downtown in Ohio City. Um. And again, there's a bunch of breweries down there that are kind of walking distance to each other. Um, so that was that was Saturday. Uh, then we came home about just in time. We made dinner, and then we fired up uh, what, what's the, the Peacock network um, hmm. to watch Night One of WrestleMania, which um, which was a good show. So my brother Mark came over. Um, and we, we did build a pyramid. It was, uh, it's not nearly as big as, as pyramids passed. Um And I, I hate to say it. I don't even think we looked at our drinking game once in terms of the actual rules, but, uh, but we were still partaking. It was fun.
1: Yeah, it was a blast. And uh, we did our confidence pool like we usually do. And, and I, I ended up with a pretty poor record on the first night. I was a little, uh, I was a little uh Grumpy about that but uh you know I rebounded pretty well the second night but I I, it's my goal to take home the big fake John Cena trophy at some point to bring him to Indiana to to show him around because he hasn't left the greater Cleveland area since we started this what's this year three that we've done that yeah this is
0: year three and my son my son Grayson has actually won he's won them won him twice
1: yeah (laughs) he's not even trying and he's just like nailing it
0: yeah so yeah, yeah. Night night one was was a rough one for you, uh, in terms of in not in terms of picks necessarily, but just in terms of uh, you, you put a lot of high value picks that night and and lost those unfortunately.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So let's see. Night night one was. Uh, I'll
1: pull it up here real quick. We don't have to go into a a big huge review, but
0: uh, night what your, one. What was
1: your favorite night? What was your favorite match from night one? If you have to, if you have ah, to look boy. over it real quick.
0: Um, yeah, so so the, uh, I'll I'll just run them down real quick. Bobby Lashley beat Drew McIntyre. Natalia and Tamina won a um, a tag team turmoil match. Cesaro beat Seth Rollins. AJ and Omos beat the New Day. Ron Strowman beat Shane McMahon. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest beat the Miz and John Morrison. And Bianca Blair beat Sasha Banks. You know, I I don't know. Um, I I guess it would be. I hate to say it, might be the the first match of the night, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Um, you know, I, either that, the, the, the Sasha Banks and Bel-, Bel-, Bel Air match was really really
1: good. I remember enjoying that a lot. That one um, might be the best. I mean, that one might be my favorite from the match or from the yeah. from night one.
0: Yeah, um, I think part of what I liked about Bobby Lashley and McIntyre was that Lashley won. Um, I didn't think he was going to, and I always kind of like to be surprised. Um, I, uh, I, I, just think Sasha Banks is an incredible performer. Um, and, and, and Belair was in there and was, and was really, um, holding on, you know, right there with her. Right. It wasn't like Sasha was, was, um, was, uh, carrying that match at all. So, right.
1: um,
0: yeah, there was, I, I have to, I have, I have to say bad bunny. Um, I realized that I am not the target audience at all for bad bunny um and and we just kind of sat there and we were just kind of in awe of how like how much that guy did I have to give him a ton of props he wasn't just a quote celebrity in a wrestling match I mean like he was carrying that match um with with my old school wrestling hat on I'm not a fan of that only because I think it kind of sucks to bury one of your wrestlers i.e the Miz who basically got his ass kicked by a quote celebrity but it was he did a really good job I you know I have to I have to give him respect for what he did in the ring. I, I'm not a fan of that match, but I but I have to respect what he did.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was I was frustrated with that too. More so, I felt like um, pointlessly on behalf of the Miz because I felt like if I were him, I would be really confused about why when I was the world champion not too long ago, now you want me to put over somebody who is not even going to be a full time performer in this this thing, and it, it didn't make. I mean, they could have had him pin Morrison for you know just as easily and and saved a little bit of face with the Miz, but I didn't quite understand why they did that the way that they did. But I agree with you uh, that that bad bunny absolutely held his own in a way that I feel like a standard celebrity is usually very awkward. They don't have any experience. They're not seasoned. Um, They're counting on the performers to basically do all the work. I don't think that was the case here. I really do think that he did an (laughs) exceptional job for, what he was asked to do. He very clearly trained for it and put himself through the motions. Yeah. In, in
0: fact, I don't, I don't think his tag team partner Damian priest was in the match until like the very end. I am pretty yeah. sure bad bunny was, was, you know, I, I don't know what that means for him. I don't know if he's going to be a performer. I don't know if he's going to continue to do stuff, but um, you know, I, 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 I have gathered that he is a, a pretty well-known rapper slash performer, whatever he is well-known for. Um, and you know what? I mean, WrestleMania is a time of year when you, when you bring eyes to the product. And, and I think it's fair to say that he did that. He brought eyes to the product. So, um, so you know, so good on them. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Sunday then was, was another big uh, brewery day. Uh, we woke up. And we started and we started at a place called Missing Mountain Brewery. Um, that place I loved. It was the first time I was there. They had a they had a Bloody Mary bar that was second to none and that was kind of how we started our, started our day. Um, and they had some really, really good beers. Um, again, it was a, a beautiful day um sun was shining and this place was fucking packed i mean we got there at 11 o'clock and we didn't think we were gonna be able to get a spot
1: on a sunday um, by the way on a sunday yeah i think they had a big brunch menu brunch sort of yeah. theme and that's that's why they got people packed in but i agree that place was fantastic i i would love to go back there again some someday. yeah
0: i no, i agree yeah and and again we we had a we had another flight um i think four or five beers there um i don't think i had a bad beer there i'll have to go back and kind of look i don't even know if i took any notes but it was yeah it was it, it was they were very very good uh from there we went to ohio brewing company which was about i don't know two not even two miles down the road um had another flight there which was which was good uh in my mind not as good as missing mountain but it but still had still had some good beers um and any you and, and have anything to, to add about ohio brewing
1: uh, I liked it I would say it may be my least favorite but not because it was bad just because I felt like the other stacked pretty high um, yeah. it, it doesn't come anywhere near missing mountain I think they just had a different variety there that was really good and in and, and the ambiance and the menus and all that stuff Ohio Brewing Company um, just kind of felt like a big bar it didn't it didn't yeah. really feel like a brewery it felt like someplace that uh, a lot of people congregate you know late at night and dancing and all that, you know, (laughs) all the things, all those young whippersnappers do uh, these days. But I mean, it was, it was perfectly good. It was serviceable. I think that was the one place that we went to that I actually didn't have a flight um, because I didn't, the, the, they didn't have a huge selection of their own beers. They had a really good selection of beers in general, but I felt like the selection of what they were doing specifically was a bit limited. So I went with, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was the one you recommended. Uh, that I really liked. And, and it was very good. But that was that was quickly. I think as soon as I put a couple bucks in the jukebox, I'm like, wait a minute, if we're going to drink beer and put money in a the jukebox, there's only one place we need to be right now. That's exactly right. And so we so we made
0: our way uh, to the one and only annex bar and grill um and in fact it's I'm, I'm looking at my my twitter feed and I, when i checked in there i said and now the weekend is complete <laughs> and and so we sat at the annex and we ate burgers uh if you've ever had an annex burger in my opinion it's the best burger you can get um and and we started right well pip started rifling quarters into that jukebox um and was very polite and asked if it would be okay because because the bar the entire bar was watching the masters when we got there which is <laughs> just in like bizarro world when you, if you know what the annex is like. And, uh, and we, we were, we, we said, Hey, could we, could we put on some, you know, kind of eighties, eighties metal and that kind of stuff. And she said, absolutely. I would love that. I think she was a little bit sick of the, <laughs> of the masters at that <laughs> point. Um, and what, I don't know. We stayed there what, three or four hours,
1: something like yeah, that. a little while. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and and I have to say that that your DJ skills are on point, sir. It was it was a it was a wonderful mix that you came up with that, that
1: afternoon. Well, you're clearly my target audience, so uh, <laughs> you're an easy lay in that respect, Greg. Um, right, right. It's uh, it wasn't too hard, and I'm not sure all the uh, golf fans were super happy about it, but everybody played along, and I uh, I really did appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Um, and and then it was home for uh, for night two, right? And so. <laughs> Night two was uh, Randy Orton beat The Fiend. Nia Jackson's Shayna Baszler beat Natalia and Tamina. Kevin Owens beat Sami Zayn for the four hundred and eighty seventh time. Uh, Sheamus beat Riddle. Apollo Crews beat Big E. Rhea Ripley beat Asuka, and Roman Reigns beat Edge and Daniel Bryan. Um, I think uh, I prob- I think I preferred night two from a wrestling standpoint more than night one. Um, I, I suppose that's, I guess if I was laying out a two night show, that's the way I would have preferred it, you know, and, and on a high note, um, I think I probably, I probably would say the main event was my favorite Roman Reigns, uh, beating edge and Daniel Bryan. I was, I was all in on edge. I was pulling for edge. Yeah, that was my pick. That's why I wanted to win. Um, uh, but um I, I think that probably the rhea ripley and oscar match is probably my my close second so that makes the the last two matches of the night are my or my two favorite
1: so i would call that exactly the same uh with uh maybe <clears throat> the owens Sami zane match being a third place i'm not real sure I'd, I'd have to think about that um i would say that the uh the Orton match was a little bit more disappointing than I thought. I thought it would be at least a little bit more theatrical or at least longer. It feels like in, in hindsight, it feels like it only lasted about five minutes. It was um, five minutes and 50 seconds. That's exactly right.
0: And it was, and it was weird because the way it ended, you know, it ended with this kind of theatrics and it ended with Alexa bliss, like, I don't know, bleeding, inking. I don't know what she, like, it was, yeah. it was weird. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I was I, I was really really let down by that match, and it wasn't even like it wasn't that they ran out of time because it was the first match of the night. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I don't get it.
1: Yeah, but I guess if I'm if I'm caught between trying to carve out times for all these matches, I would I would rather see more time in a Kevin Owens Sami Zayn type of match because those two have a history. They've been wrestling each other for over well over a decade at this point, point. Um, and. It, and I think that they, they from a talent perspective, they put on a better show, uh, not so much in a theatrical way, but more in a technical way. And so I, I think that was probably pretty smart.
0: No, you're Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. Um, from a Purely from a wrestling standpoint, I would much rather see more in-ring wrestling be, between two guys as opposed to the theatrics of, that The Fiend and Randy Orton brought. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly.
1: That being so said, I one. feel like I feel like The Fiend slash Bray Wyatt, I, I just feel like he never gets his due. I don't know. Maybe it's me or maybe I'm just not <clears throat> paying enough attention to wrestling outside of, uh, you know, WrestleMania, but it just seems like the guy is super powerful, super talented, and they just kind of find weird things for him to do all the time. Like, last WrestleMania was that really bizarre John Cena match and uh, I, I didn't like that at all. Like, I, I saw what they were trying to do, but just seems like they're wasting some of his talent and i'm not sure if that's a conscious effort or just the byproduct of having too many people on a single card
0: i i couldn't agree with you more i think bray wyatt is a crazy crazy talented in-ring performer and the character that he has come up with um i wasn't i wasn't super sold on it at first but like now it's got kind of got like a kind of a boogeyman kind of old school eighties vibe. And I actually really like it. Um, and, and so I'm, 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 I'm slightly intrigued to see where they go with this, like with him and Alexa and, and this, that and the other thing. But I would agree. I think the, at least from a WrestleMania perspective, the last two years for him, in my opinion, have been big letdowns. I, I did, I did not like the, the Cena thing last year. Um, and I thought, and, and th- this year was, was promising, but I, the way it ended, especially, I just, I wasn't a fan at all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, okay, so let's see. Tonight, we are, we're doing some, we're doing more, we're doing some more wrestling tonight. Uh, I guess it's it's only, it's only uh, appropriate coming off WrestleMania weekend. And, and this has kind of been a brainchild or this, this series uh, that we're getting ready to do has been kind of your brainchild. So I will let you kind of introduce what it is that we're doing tonight.
1: Yeah, so this is, I am excited about this. This is kind of a special edition series that, uh, that I thought would be really fun to do when we started doing this because we, we kind of kicked everything off in this podcast when we started doing these together, doing our top five favorite this or that. And I, at some point during this, I thought, wouldn't, wouldn't it be really fun to revisit these lists and do our six through tens, which is basically, you know, our, our favorites past our favorites. Or, or groups of second favorites. And I, I got really uh, interested in the idea of taking these lists and sort of deconstructing them and trying to come up with you know, who's next on these lists or, or which movies are the next ones on the list or whatever. And uh, so I thought, you know, I think it's a great idea to sort of uh, continue the theme of wrestling We did uh, our, was it our first podcast that we did together?
0: It was actually the first one that you were on. Yes,
1: it was. It was the the very first one that we did. Yep. So we did our, we called it the top five favorite. And then we also called it it our Mount Rushmore, which I'm surprised nobody called us on that because last time I checked Mount Rushmore only has four faces, but we did top five. But (laughs) the the point was, is we, we were doing our favorite wrestlers of all time. And uh, we'd like to continue that tonight, but instead of our top five, we're going to do our six through 10, which I don't know about you, but personally that's a way harder list because, you know, I can, you know, even if I wasn't paying attention to wrestling these days, I, I could rattle off my, you know, my favorite wrestlers without a problem. But if I had to sit down and really think, okay, but who's the next group uh, of, of wrestlers that I really liked, but maybe didn't make the cut the first time around and then try to try to rank them in some kind of way. It was kind of difficult. I don't know what is, what was your experience like with this. Yeah,
0: I I would agree. I, I part of the reason that I was excited about doing this too, and I and I am excited about doing future six through tens is you know you hear a lot of you read a lot of lists on the internet, you listen to a lot of podcasts, and there's a lot of top fives, right? And most of the time for guys our age, right, those top five, you know, there there's a lot of overlaps, right? Um, and so I think I think we're going to start to see a lot of different names and or movies or whatever it is as we get through these. Um, I, I would agree that this was a more difficult list to come up with just because the um, the differences between you know number 10 and 11, six and eight, seven and nine are, you know, much more minute than they are, you know, between one and two or two and three in, those, in my in my at least on my list, right? Um, you know, once once you started getting down into the six, seven, eight, nine, 10 range, there was a lot of guys that w- that could that could be in that spot. Whereas for me, like my top one, two, and three were very easy, right? That that top that top five list. The, the only difficult thing really for me was which order they were going to be in on that particular night, and you know who I was going to leave out you know, and so it was really only the five and six spot was, was kind of difficult.
1: So, yeah. So um, I think one thing we should do this time is, is try to mirror a little bit of what we did last time, which is, I don't think last time we actually put them in order. I think we just picked our five favorites. Um, and okay. we just, we just kind <clears> of <throat> talked through them in the order that we chose them, but not necessarily in the order of our absolute favorites of all time. So, Maybe maybe we can do that this time, but maybe first before we get into that, let's uh, let's give the people a refresher of what we chose on our top five, so they have a little bit more context on why our six through ten is lined up the way that it is. Certainly, yeah. Would would you would you like to go first this
0: evening, or would you like to go second this evening?
1: Um, I'll go first. That's fine. I, okay. I think yeah, I, I'm more interested in what you have, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll defer to you. So, um. To, to wrap everything up. So first I'll go through my old list and, and I won't go, you know, into any of those guys. We talked about all that stuff before, if, uh, for any of anyone who might be interested in that, who hasn't listened to it, it should be archived, uh, under our podcast. So, so please go grab a copy. Uh, but my old list was, uh, in no particular, order, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake, the Snake Roberts, Roddy Roddy Piper, and Brett, the Hitman Hart. So those were my, uh, my five with, if, if, I'm, if I am picking a favorite, it was Jake Roberts. He was always my, uh, my, my big go-to uh, back in the day being a technical wrestler and uh, having the greatest finishing move of all time, in my opinion. So I'll, I guess I'll give him a little bit of depth uh, as a recap. And then The Rock was my, we did give each other honorable mentions. Uh, I think you sprung that on me without me knowing it, and uh, which I love when that happens. And uh, so I added The Rock. Who uh, I, I'm making it a point, you know. Obviously, being a six through ten list, none of the first five, including my honorable mention, will be on my list. So, do you want to go through your uh, your list first, and then and then I'll uh, I'll start mine.
0: Sure. Yeah. So my my original top five, um, again in no particular order, was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and the Undertaker. Uh, and my honorable mention was John Cena. Um, if I were to pick my number one,
1: uh, you taker. know, I know it's, it's taker. It,
0: it is, it's Taker, it is, it's Undertaker. The, the, the one A there would be Macho Man. Um, Macho Man to me, I, I, I have found that I've, I've grown to love Macho even more as I'm getting older, right? The more I watch of him, um, the, the more I appreciate him. I probably appreciate him more now than I did, um, even when I was growing up, but you're right, it, it is Taker um i've i've just i've always been an undertaker mark so um okay so here we go uh we're, we're going to start with six through ten i suppose it's maybe seven through eleven if you if you include if you're not going to include the honorable mention yeah, um that's true. so 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 here you go who's who you got uh, your first pick this evening
1: well just to do the smoothest segue in the history of these lists my my number six uh is the undertaker um i he had to be on my list he he very closely came into my my original top five the undertaker i think goes without saying i mean you covered it you know immaculately in our first podcast the guy is an absolute beast he is um he's the phenom he is he's the, the last time i got to see a wrestling match live and in person was with you and we got to see him uh in a buried alive match with mankind and I think the thing, I still remember seeing him get introduced for the very first time when he was introduced as Kane the Undertaker in the yeah. Survivor Series as, uh, by, by, um, by Ted DiBiase. And he, from that moment, very quickly established his dominance and did not stop for many, 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 many years. And uh, there's two things that I think that really endear me to The Undertaker. The first being that he never left the WWE. He's one of the one of the major top A-level superstars that never defected to the WCW. I mean, when you look at the list of all the legends, I mean, the argument can be made he wasn't in the legends era, that he sort of came along um, as as a lot of them were aging out. But, you know, he he did come in when, uh, uh, young enough to wrestle Hulk Hogan, uh, probably shortly past Hogan's prime. But, you know, he was in there with that group. But he never went to the WCW uh, compared to Hogan, Macho Man, DiBiase, Bret Hart, I mean, you name it, everybody went there to get a paycheck and, uh, he stuck with the company. And I think Vince really appreciated that. And I think he's going to be, I, I think he's going to go down in history as maybe number two to Hogan. Uh, Hogan, Hogan is different because he was the face and he helped launch the company and put 93,000 seats in, the, in the Silverdome, And, um, But The Undertaker, I think, has had more longevity. I think he's had more diversity to his character. I think he's just been more exciting. I think he's earned more respect from his peers, Uh, guys like Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, nobody has a bad thing to say about The Undertaker. Uh, The second thing that I really, really like about him is that he was clearly the leader in the locker room. There was a point within his career where he was established and nobody did anything without, um, you know, sort of the blessing of The Undertaker as far as, you know, the, the talent and things like that. Um, and there's a lot of great stories. I, I saw one the other day. Cody Rhodes was doing a, a shoot on, um, I think, the first Royal Rumble that he was ever in. And he went up, uh, you know, he, he, he got in. And he was so jazzed and he didn't even really know what he was doing. He went up and he hit The Undertaker in the back of the head and really clobbered him. And The Undertaker just did one of those really <laughs> slow turnaround moves. <laughs> And Cody's thinking, "Oh shit! Like I'm, I'm gonna die! Like the guy's gonna kill me!" And and the Undertaker walks up to him, you know, while he's behind his really long hair, and he said, "Kick me in the, you know, I'm gonna pick you up. Kick me in the knee!" Like he gave him a spot basically, and uh, he's like, "The Undertaker never had to do that. Like he didn't know me anything." And uh, I, I just think that he's more than one of the most respected guys in the game. And if I can make one last plug, the is it the last ride? The name of the documentary that's on the WWE? Now, oh, it's so been, good. Like ten hours or whatever, five or ten five or six hours I don't remember how long it is but it's really long it's really hard to watch because it's clearly him in the twilight of his career just trying to talk himself out of wrestling year after year after year but it's really good and it really helps to sell how important he's been to this company for so long
0: yeah he again I mean yeah he's he's my all-time fave um yeah, I, I I don't have anything else to add. I'm 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 glad. I I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised to see him on your list, but I'm glad that he's there. He's 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 the phenom. He's he's the goat, in my opinion. So, um, okay. So I my my next or my first one this evening is um, he is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. He is the honky tonk man. I the honky-tonk man it comes from an era of professional wrestling for me um and this is where I knew him right he you know was was in the WWF right um so this is like 1985-86 something like that um and, and he was this kind of smarmy heel he was playing you know he was a bad Elvis impersonator um you know he had the big chops he was a a boisterous, over-the-top heel that nobody liked. You weren't supposed to like him. You're supposed to hate him. And, you know, the 10-year-old, 12-year-old, whatever it was, me, hated him, right? And I was rooting against him every single time. And, um, you know, I, probably the most iconic match of the Honky Tonk Man is actually one that he lost, right? It's when when he lost the Intercontinental title to the, to the Ultimate Warrior at, at, I think it was a SummerSlam, and he lost it in, like, you know 16 seconds or eight seconds or whatever it was um but it was honky to me is like he's just the the consummate heel in that era of wrestling I mean he was he was just a bad guy through and through yeah I mean he had some people that cheered for him occasionally but but he was a bad guy and you knew it and he he knew how to be a heel both in the ring and out of the ring whether he was by himself, or if he had a manager, Jimmy Hart, and he was he was paired sometimes with Greg Valentine and those kind of things. Um, I, I was just a huge fan of the Honky Tonk Man. I just I love that character. Um, you know, he he went on to do some other things, and I think he's actually, believe it or not, still wrestling occasionally on the indie scene even today. Um, you know, but uh, just a huge fan of the Honky Tonk Man. Love him.
1: Absolutely, think he's one of the most hated heels of all time yeah uh, and, and i think the thing that if, if i can sort of try to throw my mind back at that time frame the thing that made me hate him so much is that he had the intercontinental belt intercontinental belt for what felt like forever uh because he ended up being steamboat after steamboat and randy savage had their legendary match in wrestlemania 3 and held that title i think for over a year i mean it was a it was yeah, it was like sixty four weeks or something like that. Yeah, it was really yeah, it was, long. Yeah. It felt like a really long time. Um, but he was just one of those guys that he just he couldn't be anything but hated. Like there's no way to like that character. And I think he played it in a very very intelligent way. He wasn't the most skilled in ring technician, but he certainly held his own. Um, I will say that I, I didn't really love his stint with uh, Greg Valentine when Valentine dyed his hair rhythm, that became the rhythm, rhythm rhythm blues. <laughs> was uh, terrible. tag team that yeah. was that was not especially interesting but um you know the, the guy know how he knew how to sell um and he was just he was the, I, I loved a wrestler i at the time when i was younger i didn't know how to appreciate hating a wrestler but looking back in time like the more i hate him the more over they are right like that's what yeah. that's what the company wants and that's the sign of a really really uh good character for sure yeah. All right, who you got, sir? Well, it's funny you should bring up the honky-tonk, man, because my next one happens to be the guy that beat him in those very brief seconds at SummerSlam 88. It is Indiana's own Jim Hellwig, a.k.a. the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I- I'm a little ashamed of this. I'm not going to lie, because, you know, if, if you're a wrestling fan and you you swim in, in these circles, uh, you know that, um, you know, the, the Ultimate Warrior is kind of known for not, being the easiest guy in the world to work with, uh, from, from a front office perspective and from an entering perspective, but there was something about him when I was a fan and I didn't know any better. That was such an incredible breath of fresh air. And I couldn't believe it when they put him over Hogan in Toronto in WrestleMania six, I just couldn't. And for me, I was hoping he'd last forever. I really was. Cause he was just, he had the body paint. He had the, the chiseled body, like literally nobody else had that body in, uh, Uh, in the business at that point and it was so impressive and he just seemed so completely invincible and the energy and the nonsensical rants uh, in the uh, in the interview segments that he did, he just, he made for, for one of the most entertaining characters ever. And in hindsight, looking back, like I can understand why most people did not have a lot of respect for him. I mean, he, he did a lot of pretty shady stuff, he, uh, he held up the WWE on a couple of occasions and got fired for it on a couple of occasions. I was glad that eventually at the end, they they made, uh, they made amends and they got him back in and of course, very tragically he died shortly after uh, his uh, it was like the night after his last appearance on Raw where he came out and, and did kind of a thing. Um, I, I just thought he was a great he was a great spectacle. I'm not sure he was great at anything else, but as far as watching him, sprint to the ring and shake those ropes and, and pin hockey talk man and the guy who held the title for over a year in about 30 seconds, not even that, and walk out the Intercontinental title. I just, you know, I just remember being completely blown away. So I loved him as a kid. I thought he was super fun. Yeah, I, I m-
0: most people were either Hogan fans or Warrior fans, right? I was always a Hogan fan. Um, but, uh, but I have I, to me when you... <laughs> If you look back at that era, that era is defined by a single match to me. And it is Hogan warrior, right? Like that, that era is, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was kind of the the passing of the torch, but that was like, those were the kind of two big icons. Right. Um, And yeah, I, I, again, warrior was never one of my favorites, but um, I, I was thrilled to see him get into the hall of fame eventually um, you know, uh, unfortunately the night before he passed away or two nights or whatever it was, but, um, I am glad, I'm glad that, um, I'm glad he got his due. I'm glad he's a hall of famer. Um, and I, and I love the fact that they, they named a, a, a an award after him that they give out every year now at the hall of fame. Um, and it's, and it's for kind of, not, it's not one, it's not charity. It's, um, I'm not even quite sure what it, what I think it,
1: it's about charitable work. Um, is it? I think that's yeah. uh, I, I don't remember the exact theme of it, but yeah, they don't they don't give it for you know performance. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, you know, the the talent or the business in that respect, but they do give it to talent for doing things. I think Titus O'Neill was the one that uh, was the recipient for this this your, yeah. year. And he, he won it for a lot of his charitable donation work and things like that. So yeah,
0: I just I just think that's I I, I, I love the fact that they that they named it after him. So yeah. good good pick.
1: I will say that um, it was an attempted uh passing of the torch at WrestleMania 6 cuz Hogan Hogan very yes. uh, gleefully took it back about a year later at WrestleMania 7 and then That's took right. it <laughs> back at WrestleMania 9 so <laughs> it was clear that that uh somebody thought Hogan still had some some juice in the tank some juice yeah
0: um okay so my uh my next one is is one that probably will not be on your list if i had to guess um there, there are, there are professional wrestlers that are talkers. There are professional wrestlers that are technicians and there, there are some guys that, you know, the best of the best kind of do both. Um, this guy, I think is probably, probably my favorite in ring performer of all time. And that's not to say that he doesn't cut a great promo because he does, he is probably the epitome of the everyman for me. This is Arn Anderson. I love Arn Anderson. He wow. is one of the one of the original horsemen. Um, he you know is probably most well known at least by WWE fans uh, for his stint as one of the brainbusters with him and and uh, Tully Blanchard. Um, but Arn Anderson to me, I mean he he. Rick Flair obviously is the most well-known of the horsemen, but Arn Anderson to me is the backbone of the horsemen. He's the, you know, he, he's known as the enforcer. Um, he, he's just kind of one of these guys, he, he, you know, he goes in there, you know, he, he doesn't, he, he's not one of these kind of huge over the top, you know, Hogan or Sid type characters. Right. But he, he looks like an everyman, right. He, he goes in there and he can be ruthless. He can, um, he, he's he, he's always carrying the mask. He, he's the working man, right? Um, and I just, I loved his work as the, uh, in the Horseman. I loved him as with with Blanchard as part of the Brain Busters. Uh, I've just been a huge fan of his work forever. I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I remember I was thrilled when they came over the WWE or WWF at the time because um, I was a huge fan of his as, as the Horseman um, over in WCW at the time or NWA, actually. This was even before WCW. Um, but I, 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 was, remember I saw, I was so pumped to see them over in WWE and, um, yeah, I, I just love Arn Anderson.
1: It's a really interesting pick. It's definitely not on my list and not something that I would have guessed. I don't know that we've ever had a conversation about him specifically. I know we've certainly gone through our videos and, and watched the brain Busters, uh, many times, but. I can't argue with, with his talent. I mean, he doesn't do anything flashy, but he just goes in there and he does what he's supposed to do. And he is somebody that I think has spent a lot of years in the, you know, in the front office after his, uh, after his tenure as a talent in front of the camera. Um, And I, I, you know, it's funny because my memories of him aren't especially endearing because he wasn't the ultimate warrior right? Like he wasn't right. flashy. He wasn't, he didn't jump off the top ropes or if he did, it was very, it was, it, you know, it was, very it was an ax handle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It wasn't, um, you know, when I was watching at that time in my life, I was, I was young and, and sort of not, I was more impressionable by the, the, the spectacle of it all. And there was really no spectacle about Art Anderson in that respect, None. but he was an amazing talent. Him and Tully Blanchard both as part of the brain busters were a phenomenal mm-hmm. tag team but one that I found extremely boring because they wore, you know, the uh, they wore red trunks. Uh, they they yeah. didn't really cut. I mean, that's why I assume why they stuck them with Bobby Heenan, so he could be the mouthpiece and, and let Bobby cut the promos for the most part. And and there wasn't really anything flashy or exciting about them, but technically what they did in the ring, they did extremely well. I believe they had the titles for a while. Um, I don't think they really, I don't think either one of them did any any significant single work, uh outside that in the wwe specifically obviously they did what they did in uh, wcw or nwa or whatever it was that they were before but yeah that's that's a really good pick certainly not what i expected but that's the beauty about this list is, is that right. like that come out of nowhere it's like oh man i never thought about that guy but that's that's a really good pick yeah yeah i mean in fact i'm i'm looking out they were
0: actually only in the wwe for like a, a year i mean they were yeah. there for one year that makes sense um, and yeah. And then they went back to WCW and, you know, he, he was, you know, he, he won a gang of titles in WCW, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I think just to put a bow on it, I think I, I loved him as part of the horseman and then he kind of became my guy of the horseman that I, that I really, really loved. I think I, I'm pretty sure he's actually a part of AEW now. Um, I hmm. think he's either a road agent or, I, you know, he's not wrestling, but I'm pretty sure he's part of AEW now. So anyways. Um, all right. What, uh, what do you got next?
1: So my next one, um, going through my list, there's, there's definitely a, a disparity between technical wrestlers and sort of the, um, uh, the more outlandish characters, technical guys being like Jake Roberts and Macho Man and, and characters being like, uh, Roddy Piper, and, uh, the ultimate warrior. This next guy I think is a good mix of both, but definitely, um, definitely more of a technical wrestler i think that's where he gets most of his credit and i would say that he takes a he you know there are some wrestlers that are known for taking really great bumps like rick flair and sean michaels this guy is up there in that list with almost cartoonish sometimes but in a way that sells it in the best possible way uh it is mr perfect kurt henning he is Such an amazing underrated talent and I I don't know that underrated is even fair to label him with that. I think he's going to be forgotten in the grand scheme of things from fans perspectives over the years because he wasn't, you know, he he came up in an era where the bodies were like the ultimate warrior and Andre the giant and, and guys Hulk Hogan and guys like that. But I mean, this guy made anybody and everybody look good. I mean, he had he gave Brutus the Barber beefcake his best match ever. And Brutus is not exactly a wrestler of, of technical epic proportions on anyone. which level.
0: is which is saying a lot
1: to give Brutus
0: saying a, a good lot. match,
1: right? Yeah. In fact, if if memory serves, Beefcake was the first one to get him pinned. Uh, because Mr. Perfect's big thing for a while is he was undefeated in WrestleMania or six maybe six um they wrestled each other and beefcake catapulted him into a ring post and he uh that's he got the pin and that's uh, right yeah i saw mr perfect get pinned but mr perfect could go up against anyone anytime his best matches were in my opinion definitely against bret hart uh i think that they had some incredible matches i know that bret hart respected him with the utmost uh highest degree and I think his career was cut short with, with a lot of injuries. And of course him, like many other people on this list died way too short, but man, the guy was just a talent. He was so, so good. The perfect plex. I credit anybody who had a finishing move that I'd never seen before. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure that that movie has been done before. It's just a cradle suplex I think is, is what it's called. But he was the first one to sort of mainstream it. And and the promos, the promos were the best promos ever, right? That he cut, like throwing basketballs behind his head. He had this move where he walked to the ring and he'd spit out his gum and he'd slap his gum while it was in midair. And it was just like the coolest thing. He was the cockiest, biggest jerk, but I just, I loved it. I loved everything that that guy did.
0: Mr. Perfect. So uh, back in the last episode that Matt and I recorded together, which was episode 42, we were talking about our all-time favorite action movies. We had something happen that had never happened before on the podcast where it was, we both chose the same movie for the same spot in our list. I believe it was The Matrix. I don't remember which number it was. Um, But I'm thrilled to say that that has happened again because my next pick is Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. Um, Yeah, I I mean, you you said it, right? He, He was... I mean, he was, he was perfect, right? He was the perfect heel. He came into the WWE as this guy with these vignettes that you just, you hated him before he even stepped in the ring. Um, I actually remember him. Uh, he, he won the AWA world title from Nick Bockwinkle and I'm pretty sure he used a roll of quarters in his fist to hit not but Nick Bockwinkle. And if you if you're not familiar with Bockwinkle, he was kind of the AWA's version of Flair, right? He was kind of the older, stately gentleman that that had their title cheat cheat, cheat to win, and heading at the time was was the up and comer. But uh, but where he really kind of you know came on and and exploded again was once he got to WWE, uh, and 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 took over the the, the perfect persona. Um, you know he had bobby heenan with him he was always in heenan's heenan stable um and i mean yeah he was just he was an amazing amazing technical wrestler um i can't add anything else mr perfect was i, I loved him he was awesome yeah he was he was fantastic so, yeah um all right so uh who is next
1: sir you so got, for uh, mine you got, um, you got two more this is this is one that definitely uh, Teeters more to the character side, although I think he's a bit underrated as a technical wrestler. Um, and another guy that I felt like I didn't get enough time with, uh, he was easily the biggest, most maybe not the biggest, but certainly in the top two or three of the the most notorious heels in the heyday of wrestling that I love, which was WrestleMania 4, WrestleMania 5. Um, he had the best laugh in the business. There's just nobody like him in this respect and it was ted dibiase the million dollar man i love the million dollar man i still love the guy i think he's great um he always put on such an amazing show uh, and, and i hated him i always hated him because he never let my guys win like he had a he had a program with jake roberts for a long time and i thought for sure jake roberts was going to win the million dollar belt and it never happened no i don't think anybody ever won that million dollar belt from him but i can't remember Maybe some. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't remember. But I just I loved everything about him. I thought he, kind of not unlike per- Perfect and Flair, you know, he he definitely was very grandiose with some of his bumps, right? Like he he took a bump really well, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> I remember he had this move that he missed one hundred percent of the time, where he stood on the second turnbuckle and he fell backwards <laughs> to drop the elbow. He never once hit that. Maybe he never. Hit, Iron Mike Sharp or Barry Horowitz with that one time, <laughs> but I never saw him. It's like, you knew that was when the match was going to turn was when he did that. But I think he was very, very much well-respected in the locker room as one of those guys who would do everything he could to put you over and, and to have a good match with. And for that, I always uh, I always thought that Ted DiBiase was, was one of the greatest talents, one of the best heels that was ever in in the game for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was a big fan of DiBiase as well. I loved all the stuff that he did with the Million Dollar Belt, all the skits, all the skits where he was, you know, he'd bring cash into the ring and and you know what what would he have what would he make the fans do and those kind of things. Um, yeah, great great pick. I lo- I love DiBiase, um, and and he was there was um, there's a podcast that that I think you listen to too. It's um, with Bruce Bruce Pritchard something mm-hmm. to wrestle with Bruce Bidler. And and according to Bruce, and he, and he would know, cause he was very instrumental in the creation of that character. Uh, that character basically is, is, is Vince McMahon, just kind of turned up to 11, right? Which I, you know, I, was, I obviously don't know Vince, um, but that doesn't shock me at all. <laughs> and I just, I love that character.
1: I think it's really interesting if you listen, cause the that, that, that podcast is great for anybody who listens to this, who likes wrestling. You have to go back and listen to every single episode of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, with, um, uh, with, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name now. Conrad Thompson. Conrad Thompson. Thank you. Um, it's, it's so good. And they, they spent a whole episode, a whole episode on Ted DiBiase. And they talk about how, you know, back in the day when they were establishing this character, you know, the, the rules were very strict. This was obviously well before the internet and, and cell phone cameras or cell phones and all that stuff. And like the characters, even if they were friends in real life, couldn't couldn't be seen with each other because they had to maintain the, the mystique of, of um, you know, what the stories were that were being told. So um, so there was a big push to like, you know, like Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheet. They couldn't ride in the same car wherever they were going. Well, to, to further sell Ted DiBiase's character, they had to make it look like he was legitimately, you know, a millionaire, which he wasn't but they made him ride around in limos all the time and they made him eat at fancy restaurants and they made him do all this stuff. And he's like, I don't know what I did to get in this, in this gimmick, but it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me <laughs> because they made me do all this stuff. And I, you know, I just had to sell the character. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was great. That's uh, that's my fourth one, I guess. On this no, that's
0: a, that's a great pick. Um, okay. So, so my next one um, is by far the most recent pick um, it is it's CM Punk. Mm. Um CM Punk and and, and primarily the, the stuff later in his career, um, and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy his stuff earlier. So he went through, you know, obviously he came from Ring of Honor and he and he, and he kind of was an indie darling for lack of a better term, um, busted onto the scene and, and went through several kind of years of being the, the straight edge superstar and those kind of things. Won a, won a gang of titles really for me when when I really really got into CM Punk was when he kind of got into the the best in the world moniker right when he was talking about how he was the best wrestler the best technical wrestler he was he had a program with John Cena he he had a program where he was leaving the WWE he had a um a famous you know they call it the pipe bomb where he sat down and he had did this kind of 30 minute promo at the top of the stage and And it was, uh, you know, it was clearly scripted, but it was, um, you know, he was talking about a lot of things that were kind of breaking the fourth wall, breaking kayfabe. And he was talking about, you know, other wrestlers and other companies. And he was talking about, uh, you know, how, you know, Triple H was going to take over the WWE when Vince died. Like, it was just, it it was, it was... um, it was a different thing for me at that time. And in, in, in my wrestling fandom, it was something that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, not to mention the fact that dude is just straight up really, really good in the ring. I mean, he's a great technical wrestler in the ring. Um, ironically enough, he, you know, he did. So he left the WWE um, and he went and he tried his hand at MMA. Um, ironically enough, Pip and I actually got to see that fight. We were sitting in a B-dubs in Indianapolis. Uh, our other buddy, Steve was actually working there that night and we got to watch that fight where he just got mauled. I mean, he lost in the first round in very short order, but, uh, but, but that does not take away anything he did in the WWE. I, I CM Punk is an a outstanding performer. Um, I, I wish that he hung on longer and, and stayed around longer, but I think he's just kind of lost his his zeal for the business.
1: So, love him though. It wasn't Lesnar on that pay per view too?
0: Uh you talking about the 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 MMA pay per view?
1: The UFC one, because I, I have the, to. I, I remember either tweeting or, or making some comment on Facebook about us watching Ultimate Fighting. The two matches we were there to watch were CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. I I I, I might be missing. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember.
0: I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that. I think that card was actually in Cleveland. If I'm thinking, if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember. That, that, yeah.
1: That's a really solid pick though. And I think he was one of the best from his generation and he's certainly one of the ones where I wished he would have stuck around longer. And, and, and if anything, and I'd pose this question to you, it's just sort of a, Goofy hypothetical, but do you think he missed his mark by maybe about ten years? Like, can you imagine if he'd have come into business, if his character would have come into business about ten years earlier, and he would have been able to spar both physically oh. and verbally with the likes of Bret Hart, uh, Shawn Michaels, more so in his prime, The Rock, Stone Cold, austin in his prime, yeah. I mean, yeah. can you imagine him? And I mean, it was good that he was where he was because he helped the business, you know, continue to. To, to breathe and, and thrive. But man, could you imagine if you could fantasy book that guy against some, some of his, some of his peers in, in previous generations, holy shit, man, that would have been intense.
0: Yeah, it, it would have been, I, I agree. I agree. He, he would have been uh, um, he, he, I, I think had he had more uh, peers to go up against, I think he, he would kind of have elevated to you know one one of the he, he'd be in the discussion of greatest of all time you know what right. I mean like in, in, right. the, in that discussion
1: yeah he's also so, one of those that I know gets uh tagged a lot as somebody that you know everybody wants to see come back and I think that's right. one I legitimately hope he does not come back not yeah. because he couldn't do it but just because he I think he he very much realizes that um he doesn't want to become a sideshow or a novelty yeah yeah no, and, I agree. Uh, and you know, it's different from like The Rock or somebody like that who comes back who's who's still very much in the public eye and and, and still very endeared by his fans. I, I think he could pull that off. I don't know that Punk could uh, in the same way, but yeah, no, that's a great choice. Yeah. All right, so you got one more. Who is it? Okay, so my last one is going to be a trivia question right back at you, and I'm going to see oh, shit. you do this. All right. So my 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 final guy. Uh, shares a very interesting bit of trivia with none other than Hulk Hogan as being one of the only two individuals to have competed in each of the first nine WrestleManias. Santana. Yes, it is. It is. Chico, The man himself, Tito Santana. I... Fucking love Tito Santana. I thought he was the best singles doubles. I didn't care. I just, I don't know what it even is about that guy. I think he's a very good technical wrestler. I think his character is whatever. I did not love El Matador when they brought him back to try to refresh. The right. um, but as, as a, as a single uh, singles competitor and, and especially as a tag team, I just, I loved him. He, uh, he did a great job. He was very good. He was very technical. He had this back body drop. that was sort of unique, you know, like whenever he did one of those, it just looked different. It looked cool. Um, his his finisher, the flying forearm, I, I love that thing. Like when he popped that thing, the crowd just went nuts. Uh, you know, he did spend some time both with the Intercontinental Belt and as uh, as a tag team champion with none of the none other than Rick Martell of Strike Force, which I love. Strike Force. They had the worst '80s cheese dick song uh, for an entrance song ever. The girls in cars. Girls in cars. <laughs> But I love that shit. I had the Driver album, which had that song on it, um, and I, I loved it. I remember being absolutely crushed. Speaking of Arn Anderson, uh, when uh, WrestleMania Five came around, and uh, it was the reunite. It was Strikeforce reuniting because so they had taken the titles to WrestleMania Four, and Demolition beat them, and Rick Martel allegedly got injured, and, and Rick Martel was out for a long time. Tito was wrestling singles at that point. But there was this big to-do about the reunion of Strike Force, and they came back in WrestleMania Five, and uh, they wrestled the Brainbusters, and that's when Tito inadvertently popped Rick Martel, and and that started a feud between them, and they broke up. And I was I was so bummed, I was hardcore, broken hearted by that because I, I just loved them as a tag team. But my heart was with Tito the whole time, and you know, unfortunately, Tito didn't win as many matches as he lost towards the the end of his career. It's a pretty impressive honor uh, to to have held, to have been in nine straight WrestleManias with Hulk Hogan. I I mean, I think that, and make any, well, he made some past nine, but he only made the first nine straight. He didn't, he didn't show up in 10. That was, nine was sort of the official demarcation of the old guard and the new guard, I think, um, or the unofficial one. But I love Tito Santana. I thought he was great. He had a lot of energy. He was super fun to watch. Um, and, and yeah, that was, that's my last pick.
0: Now I, I like, I like Tito a lot. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. He, he was, he, he's one of those that when you think about kind of old school wrestlers, right, Tito is right in there, right in there on that list. I agree. Um, okay. So my last one, um, is a guy, if, if I went to my most punk was my most recent, uh, this is probably my oldest, um, This is a guy that did have a stint in the WWE, but that's not where I uh, grew to love him. Um, I I grew to love him in his NWA and WCW days. Um, This is none other than the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Um, I- I, I, Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby, Dusty Rhodes. Um, yeah, you know, again, you know, for for WWE fans or WWF fans, he's, you know, it was the polka dots and those kind of things. But but to me, Rhodes was, you know, he, he was the guy, he was kind of always the, he was kind of always the second fiddle to Ric Flair, right? He was always chasing Flair. He was always, um, you know, he was the everyman. He was the working man. He was, you know, I, I mean, good God, he was not fit. He was not um, you know, uh, 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 didn't have a body or, you know, but he was just, I just, I just, I absolutely, I can't, I can't really even put my finger on it, but I just loved Dusty Rhodes. He could talk and he, you know, and he, he was, he was a performer back in the day that God, God, did they bleed? I mean, they bled and bled, they just bled buckets. And I, you know, I, I just, um, that's not why I liked him, but, but he would, Again, he was as, quote, real of a professional wrestler as there was back in the day. And I just, I was drawn to him early and I was a fan of him until the day he died. I just,
1: I love the American dream. That one's, that one's a, that's a good pick, but it's a little tougher for me on that one because my exposure. So by the time that Dusty had come to the WWF and whatever year that was, um, I had I had not watched five minutes of NWA WCW like yeah. I didn't know anything about any of that. I had heard of Ric Flair. I think that was about it. I'd probably heard of Dusty Rhodes too, and I've heard of Starcade, but I didn't know anything about them. I'd never seen. I didn't even know what channel to, to turn to to watch any of that. So the only Dusty Rhodes that I ever really knew was the one that came to the WWE and the polka dots <laughs> and yeah, and, and severely out of shape and Sapphire. And uh, a program with the Macho Man, which just never felt right to me, like to pair those two together, like maybe in Dusty's prime. I don't know. Like I still to this day haven't really seen a lot of matches that he did before he came to the WWE. Um, So I had a really hard time understanding where he fit in. And I felt like maybe he did, too. Uh, it, It seemed good on paper, but the whole Dusty Rhodes in the WWE experiment didn't really last very long. I don't think. Much more than me. No, a couple of years. Yeah, like
0: eighty. It looks like eighty-nine to ninety-one. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, it was not long at all.
1: But I just didn't. I, I think they had so much talent and so many characters and so much of everything else going on that it, that it just wasn't a good fit for him at the time. And I think he rightfully went back to WCW and did some wrestling, and then of course was, uh, you know, was a was a character, you know, in front and behind the scenes. So yeah, I mean, it, I. I I respect Dusty Rhodes. I, I certainly understand his legacy and how important he was to all that. It was harder for me to understand why people liked him just because my only exposure was the, you know, sort of the really goofy gimmick right. that we had in the WWF, yeah. and it was just yeah, I can
0: see that. It didn't resonate yeah, as much. Yeah, I could see that. If if you if yeah, if you don't know if you don't know Rhodes before or after the WWE, I would agree that it's a shitty character you know, in that, in that couple years. So, um, all right, you got, do uh, you have an, an honorable mention?
1: Oh man. You know, I, uh,
0: if not, that's fine.
1: I, I mean, I have one that I, I feel like there were a couple people that I really struggled with trying to put on the list or, or trying to trying to keep on the list. Um, I think uh, if I had to pick one off the top of my head, I, I, I think I might go newer actually for this one, since obviously my entire, uh, list this week was all legendary i think i would go someone like randy orton i really really mm-hmm. love randy orton i think he's fantastic i think he's got a you know his, his pedigree is obviously impressive he's got a father uh or he's is he a second or third generation wrestler I think, I think he's third isn't he i think he is third
0: yeah i mean i know yeah bob orton is his dad i, I think he might be third or yeah i think he's
1: third I just think he's a fantastic wrestler. It was between him and John Cena. I think you covered Cena to some extent on the last yep. one. And yep. I feel the same way about Cena that you do. I really like and respect him. think he's the second coming of Hogan and and uh, just seems like a, a pretty good dude. But like Orton, there's something about him that just has some really curious but really fun staying power about him. Because he's been around for quite a while and he's still RKO- RKOing people all over the place. Yes, and, he is. And they have taken that finishing move and made something like huge with it, right? Like they've, they've come up with creative ways to innovate that every single time. And he's just, whether he's a good guy, whether he's a bad guy, I, I wanna watch him whenever he's in the ring. And I think he's got a great moveset and uh, he's just a, a really intriguing character. I, yeah, I would agree. I
0: would agree. Um, let's see, my, I, I got another, a newer guy too. It, it would be Edge. Right. Um, I I just, I, I, mentioned him earlier. I just, I'm a, I was all in on his corner. Um, I was devastated when he got hurt and he had to retire. Um, but he, he's one of those guys that I've loved kind of his entire career. Right. As he, as he goes through, and he has gone through several iterations of his character. Um, and at this point he's just kind of the old guy that's, that's kind of hanging on. Um, but he's goddamn. He's in great shape. and he looks good in there. And yeah. and um, I, yeah, I'm just I'm just a big fan. What I got I got I, I was looking here. I got to go back to to um, Orton real quick. Orton is a third generation superstar. So. Um, and his uncle is Barry O. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs>
0: That's his uncle.
1: I did not know that.
0: Barry Orton is his uncle. Yeah, which I think just makes him even cooler.
1: Oh, so. Of course. <laughs> Just n- now, I'm bummed that I didn't work him into my six through ten.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, we uh, we got there. We covered a lot of ground. Um, I'm sorry that it took us so long uh, to to get back. I I, I was uh, I was sitting here actually during the episode going through my phone, looking at some beer pictures and some photos that we took, and, I, and I'll I'll post those on the website. But we we actually did record a conversation uh sitting at missing mountain i have no idea what we were talking about um i do
1: actually uh... i remember we were talking about video games i think at the time okay Okay. which is not a a total stretch from from uh stuff i think i was explaining to you uh the call of duty Warzone game and uh we, we were all over the place as we usually are but i think video games was one of the uh one of the primary topics of that
0: Okay, well, so may- so maybe we will uh, we'll get this episode posted here shortly, and then uh, maybe we can fill that one in here uh, in between in between episodes. But we have uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. We have a boatload of topics that uh, that we're looking forward to. And now that we have delved into the six through tens, uh, we can even revisit some stuff that we've already hit, which I'm really really looking forward to.
1: Um, it, it, got anything else as a closing tonight, sir? No, this was a, this was a great no. list. I'm I'm really happy that we got to do our first six through 10 and I'm super excited and already thinking about the next ones that we're going to do because we've covered, I mean, we've covered a little bit of everything. We've done movies, we've done music. Uh, Van Halen was a, a one that, that is going to like, I'm going to have to study for for at least a week before I can come <laughs> up with my six through 10 uh, favorite Van Halen songs, uh, and, and many more. So, I mean, I think we'll probably wait till we do, uh, you know a couple weeks or at least a little while before we do another six through ten because we got so many other topics that we uh, we're going to shuffle through before we get to another one of those so yeah it was it was awesome all right so until next
0: time this has been the 411 from 406 my name is chewy i'm joined Gosh. once again
1: by <laughs> your brother from another mother tent.
0: all right have a good evening folks we'll talk to you soon